Do you have trouble seeing up close or far away? How about at night? I know I do. Go check out Design for Vision and Sunglass Central. They are the premier eye care center for all eyeglasses, sunglasses, and contact lenses in southeastern PA. Whether it is the quality eyeglasses, sunglasses, or contacts that you're looking for, their styles represent the latest in fashionable but affordable eyewear. Not only do they offer a wide selection of non-prescription brands, but they offer prescription lenses fabrication. Whether it's in-store or online, they carry all major brands such as Oakley, Dolce & Gabbana, Coach, Michael Kors, Ray-Ban, Maui Jim, Wiley X, and many more. With over 50 years of experience, Design for Vision and Sunglass Central are the best in fabrication, selection, and fitting of designer and specialty glasses. Design for Vision has convenient locations in Morrisville, Levittown, New Hope, Newtown, and Jameson. Sunglass Central can be found at the New Hope, Newtown, and Jameson locations. That's designforvision.com and sunglasscentral.net. This is Chet with Flow Racing. You're listening to the Four Wide Salute Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Four Wide Salute Podcast presented by Line Decker Racing Engines. Go check out Line Decker Racing Engines on Facebook. Pop in J Line Decker Racing Engines into your search bar. Go see what Jason's got going on. Breaking news items, not a whole lot going on this week. Nothing like last week. But Modified Racing is returning to Central PA in a very strong way to start off the 2023 season. Williams Grove has announced a date of March 31st. The Spec 358 Modifies will be joining the 410 Sprint Cars on a Friday night. Along with Lincoln has already booked a date for Modifieds. Sealands Grove, I would assume, is going to as well as Port Royal. BAPS has had a March date as well. I'm hearing rumblings of Hagerstown possibly. So, I don't know what's going on in Central PA, but they kind of like our big booty cars, don't they? On to our results. Going to go to Tuesday. Millbridge Speedway, Dia Edge Carolina Micro Showdown presented by Driven Midwest. Cannon McIntosh picking up the win over Gunnar Setzer and Jesse Love. On to Wednesday. Same stop, this time for 10000 to win Millbridge Speedway. Once again, Carolina Micro Showdown and Steven Snyder Jr. picking up the win over Cannon McIntosh and Jesse Love. I'm telling you, our Northeast guys, our Mid-Atlantic guys, Kyle Spence, Brian Carver, Steven Snyder Jr., as of late, we kick ass at these big shows down at Millbridge or Port City. It's it's fun to think, okay, I watch these guys at Kutztown or Linda's or Greenwood Valley or wherever, Bridgeport. And then you think, well, I wonder how they'd fare up against the best in the country. Well, this right here, folks, is your answer. 
Very, very impressive. Also on Wednesday, some event at Charlotte. Oh, yeah. The World of Outlaw World Finals kicked off on Wednesday night with the Outlaw Sprints and Late Models on the card. The Big Block Modifieds had off on Wednesday. Dirt Track at Charlotte, 15000 to win for each of these features. Sprint Car Feature, boy, Carson Macedo had this thing in the bag until something failed on him mechanically. Slowed down on the last lap, allowing Logan Schuhart to pick up the win. Macedo did hang on for second. Brad Sweet in third. Rico Abreu and Gio Selzy running out your top five. Late Models. Mikey Marler picking up the win over Shane Clanton, Trent Ivey, Brandon Overton, and Tim McCready were your top five. And I'll get into my opinions on Charlotte momentarily, but they're not bad opinions. On to Thursday, going back to Charlotte once again. This time, World of Outlaw Late Models and Super Dirt Car Series, both on the card, sprint cars were off on Thursday. 15,000 to win for the late models, 10,000 to win for the Super Dirt Car Series big blocks. Because I don't know, modifieds aren't worth 15,000 to win. I don't understand it. Modified victory going to this week's guest, Money Matt Williamson, over Eric Rudolph, Matt Shepard, Anthony Perego, and Demetrius Drellos. Late model feature going to Tanner English over Shane Clanton, Chris Madden, Mikey Marler. And Hudson O'Neill running out your top five. On to USAC Sprints, kicking off night number one of the Oval Nationals Paris Auto Speedway out in California. Brady Bacon, your winner over Justin Grant, CJ Leary, Robert Ballou, and Kevin Thomas Jr. running out your top five. Moving on to Friday night, back at Charlotte. This time it's the World of Outlaw Sprints and Super Dark Car Series Big Blocks. Once again, Super Dark Car Series running for 5000 less than the Sprints. Modified victory going to Matthew Desjardins over Tim Fuller, Demetrius Drellos, Peter Britton, and Mad Max McLaughlin running out your top five. Sprint Car feature going to Donnie Schatz over Corey Eliason, Brad Sweet, Cole Macedo, and Tyler Courtney for your top five. Matthew Desjardins. Nobody expected that in a million years. And he drove his ass off. Fuller definitely was coming through the field, though. And it could have went a different way. But I love seeing new winners. Guys who were genuinely surprised to be in victory lane. Those are your best interviews. No offense to the guys that have been there a hundred times. They're stale. It's the same spiel over and over again. So it was nice to see something a little bit different on Friday night. On to Paris Auto Speedway for Oval Nationals, night number two with the USAC Sprints. This time, Madman Robert Ballou in victory lane over KTJ, Jake Swanson, CJ Leary, and Brady Bacon rounding out your top five. On to Saturday night. And yes, we're going to go right back to Charlotte. This time, all three divisions on the card, Outlaw Sprints and Late Models running for 25000 to win, and Super Dark Car Series running for 15000 to win. No, still doesn't make sense to me. 
Modified's victory going to Money Matt Williamson once again, two for three on the week, this time over Max McLaughlin, Demetri Estrellos, Anthony Prego, and Alex Payne running out your top five. Alex Payne over the last two races has passed, I believe it's 37 cars. That's outstanding, especially at a place like Charlotte against some of the best of the best in the business. And he was picking them off left and right. Late models feature going to Jonathan Davenport over Chris Madden, Dennis Herb Jr., Tim McCready, and Dale McDowell running at your top five. Yes. The old guy has got it done. I don't consider Davenport or T-Mac one of the young guys anymore. That's just not happening. T-Mac's in his mid-40s, I think. If not, early 40s. Davenport just turned 39. Yeah, they're not the young guys anymore. And of course, Madden got to be right around 50. Herb, I think, is 50-something, maybe 53-ish. And Dale McDowell, well, he's about 110. So, yeah, the old guy's got it done. And spring car feature, back-to-back for Donnie Schatz, this time over Gio Selzy, Sheldon Hawkenshield, Carson Macedo, and Brad Sweet rounding out your top five. Now, my opinions on Charlotte. It can get stale. The heat races absolutely are horrible because guys just get too spread out. And you're not necessarily having loaded heats, because they're run off of time trials. At least for the sprint cars and late models, they are. Modifies draw for their heats and then time within their heats. So there is potential to have a loaded heat, which did happen once or twice this past week, and those heats were kind of entertaining. But yeah, the heat races are just, they get drawn out because there's no invert-type format where you have to have your faster guys passing guys. But it's the way it is. It's the way it always is. But the features, I think, were good. There were a ton of passing. Um, Yeah, Desjardins on Friday did start on the pole, but he had to hold off a lot of guys. Shepard got to him and broke. Shepard was coming last night on, I believe, Max was leading at that point, and he broke again, which my apologies to Matt Shepard if... At any point in my episode about the year of Matt Shepard, put a jinx of any sort on <laughs> on Super Matt. I apologize. But Charlotte was good. A lot of passing, like I said. Uh, Alex Payne, 37 spots, I believe it was. That's out that's outrageous. Um Davenport last night came from eight. Sprint cars, I'm not sure where Donnie started, but it wasn't on the front row. Brad Sweet had the pole. And he finished fifth. Um, you know, going back to Thursday and Friday, you know, Tanner English getting a win, that's huge. It's not your usual guys. Clanton was the dominant guy when it came to time trials and the heat races this week. So it, it was a little different. Mike Marler, the first night, came from ninth. Ivy was the show Wednesday. You know, Macedo did lead the feature on Wednesday by a wide margin for a while, but drama happens. Something, you know, fails on your car and holy shit moment happens. It just adds to the drama. I think all of those things all together were good. 
It was odd not seeing Brandon Shepard this week. I'll say that. There were definitely guys I thought would have been there that weren't. There was no Devin Moran, which maybe he wished he did go to Charlotte after his adventures at Atomic. I'll let you guys look into that. Yeah, there were guys I thought would have been there that weren't. Where was Greg Satterley this week? I'm not sure. But there were also guys that were there I didn't think would be there. Of course, we saw Stu on on Wednesday night in the late model. PPM hopping into a late model. That's new. 70 cars for late models is good. 52 or 53 sprint cars, that was good. There were a bunch of posse guys I did not expect to see. No, Danny Dietrich was not there, but who expected Lance to go? Nobody. That was never on their radar. But then you had a lot of guys like like a Derek Hawk or a Zach Allman or John Stewart. You know, those guys, we typically don't see travel like that. They represented PA, so it was nice to see them guys too. But it wasn't bad. It is what it is. It's a big half mile. It can get wide. It got real racy. And... I'm a short track guy. I want to see late models on a bull ring. I'm not a big fan of the big spread out tracks. I like to see guys laying into each other to pass them and not just blowing around them. Um, same with modifieds. I prefer smaller tracks. I prefer three eighths, a third, a quarter. Hell, give me an afton and a cord. Those are awesome places to see modifieds because guys don't really get strung out. Sprint cars, I like the Ohio type tracks. Those are smaller. They just allow for the driver to take control and not rely on the power underneath them. That's just my opinion. There are people that love that stuff. Hey, I like I love going to Port Royal, and that's a big-ass track. But the racing's good. You know, it's to each their own. This is just my opinion. But... Let's get on to Saturday night's USAC finale at the Oval Nationals. Paris Auto Speedway. 20,000 to win. Brady Bacon picking up the win last night over Jake Swanson, Emerson Axum, CJ Leary, and Robert Ballou running out your top five. And now that I got through everything from Saturday, let's get into our champions. So as we know, going back to the World Finals at Charlotte, Dennis Erb Jr. had already sealed up the 2022 World of Outlaw Late Model Championship. Awesome for him. Can you believe Dennis Erb Jr.'s? That's only his first Outlaw Championship? Modifieds, we kind of knew what was going to happen as long as Matt Shepard was in the state of North Carolina. That was his to lose, which didn't happen. And that is now a record. That is number nine for Matt Shepard, which puts him in sole possession of the most. So congratulations to Matt. Sprint cars got a little dicey. We know Gravel sealed her up and got her really close after their races last weekend, but then he never really capitalized. Gravel had a fair week. It wasn't that great. Back-to-back 10th place finishes the last two nights that they ran, and Sweet just did what he had to do to stay out in front. Realistically, he would have had to really have a bad trip to Charlotte to lose that title. Kudos again. I've touched on before. These teams that travel together, when one of them has a mechanical issue or 
has a wreck and they're back there in their work area, every team is involved in getting them back on the track. Well, David Gravel was involved in an incident in the dash last night between Cole Macedo, Carson Macedo himself. And of course, you want to shore up a good starting spot. Well, Brad Sweet ended up winning that dash. But Gravel's in the work area, and the majority of the guys working on his car are Brad Sweet's guys. That is just awesome, awesome shit to see. And I hope any race car driver, any kid, parent, car owner, crew guy are all watching that going, that's something we need to instill in our weekly competition because that's just awesome, awesome shit. And then in the USAC front of things, Brady Bacon locked up the Bubby Jones Master of Going Faster Passing Points Championship they had. But in the end, Justin Grant is your 2022 USAC Sprint Champion. Only Justin Grant's second to date. He picked up the 2020 Silver Crown title. I would say Grant has a chance at locking up two of them. But I think Kofoid's just way too far ahead for Grant to catch up to Buddy Kofoid and the midget side of things. So we will have three different winners. No one will rack up bonus money for winning two of the three or all three. That is sealed up like a dolphin's butt. Local events. Yes, there was one this week, and that was Bridgeport last night. The High Banks Classic. URC Sprint Cars and Topless 602 Create Sportsman. URC Victory going to Devin Borden. And your 602 Create Sportsman winner without the lid on was Brian Papias. They will be running today the Danny Serrano 100. That's where I'm off to shortly after I get this done for you guys. But those were your results, your upcoming events on top of Bridgeport, which is on flow today for those of you who are too lazy to leave your house or too far away to even consider it. Other events coming up, Short Track Super Series, Cajun Swing. Yes, we go right from Charlotte, right to Louisiana and Texas. So it is the Ollie's Cajun Swing presented by Wegner Automotive Tuesday. Rocket Raceway Park in Texas. 30 lapper for the modifieds, 4,000 to win, plus they have limited modifieds and factory socks on the card. Wednesday, still at Rocket Raceway Park in Texas, 35 lapper for the modifieds, 5,000 to win, plus the limited modifieds and factory socks on the card as well. Thursday, they head over to Arklatex Speedway in Louisiana. That is a 35 lapper for the modifieds, 4,000 to win, and again, limited modifieds and factory socks on the card. And then they head over to Boot Hill Speedway for a two-day stint. Friday, 30 laps, 4,000 to win. Limited modifieds, factory stocks, and sportsters on the card. I want to know what a sportster is. They pay 150 to win. That's got to be the best feature of the night. And you know them low-paying ones usually are. And then Saturday, Boot Hill Speedway and Cajun Swing Finale. Gunslinger 50 for the Modifieds, 20,000 to win, plus limited Modifieds, factory stocks, and four cylinders. So a Sportster is not a four cylinder. Hmm. I'm intrigued. What is a Sportster? 
So that'll wrap up the Short Track Super Series for the year. And then, of course, two months away, we have Florida again. So this offseason is no longer an offseason, is it? Castrol Floor Race Night in America, Saturday, Sonoy Raceway in Georgia, part of the Peach State Classic, 53000 to win Saturday night for the Super Late Bottles. That is a lot of cash. XR Super Series, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Duel in the Desert, the Dirt Track at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. 20000 to win Thursday, 20000 to win Friday, and 40000 to win on Saturday. They've got 35 Super Late Models confirmed, which is pretty awesome considering Super Late Models are not really a thing in Vegas. So nice to see the support, and a lot of the guys that just ran Charlotte are booking it across the states, and that is a drive. So Bridgeport will be on flow. Short Track Super Series will also be on flow. Castrol Flow Race Night in America will be on flow as well. XR Super Series does their own deal with RacerXR.com. Go check them out. Those are your upcoming events. Those were your results. As always, thank you to all of our followers and subscribers. Like and share the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Smash the five-star rating button on all your podcast platforms. Big episode this week. Love the conversation I had with Money Matt Williamson. Get into his experience at Georgetown, which was a first for him. And of course, looking forward to what we just saw happen at Charlotte and everything in between. Money Matt Williamson coming at you momentarily. I'm off to Bridgeport. I'll have those results for you next week, along with a new episode. So until next time, enjoy the show. Bill Brown & Company, located in Hamilton, New Jersey, has been in the printing and promotional products business since 1946. Current owner and proud dirt track supporter Ken Bruce has been with the company since 1987 and has continued to deliver the customer service that Bill Brown & Company has delivered since the beginning. Kenny supports dirt track racing through the sponsorship of the number 11 Modified, driven by Danny Heber, along with sponsorship of bonuses at Big Diamond Speedway and the Short Track Super Series, and is proud to be a sponsor of the 4 Wide Salute Podcast. You can reach Bill Brown & Company at 609-586-1408 or by email at kbruce at billbrowninc.com. You can also check out the promotional products on the website at www.billbrowninc.com. On this week's episode of the Four Wide Slew podcast, I have with me the big money winner from Georgetown Speedway last weekend. He calls himself No Money Matt, but pretty sure he took home the big check last Saturday. What's going on, man? Not, not too much. Just uh, down in Charlotte for a few days before uh, we get things kicked off here on, uh, on Wednesday with FanFest. So uh, let's go back to Georgetown. I know I talked to you before the redraw started, and I wouldn't say you were skeptical, but you were the newcomer on the block rolling into a big 25 grand to win show. Uh, what'd you think of the place? You know, it was, it was, um, it was a lot what we thought it would be, um, you know, kind of a mix between Canada Agua and uh, Roll Wheels, uh, fast fast place, uh, fun place. Um, obviously, you know, you, you go anywhere and you win, you're going to like it. You're not going to talk bad about it. So, um, I enjoyed my time there. I, I enjoyed, you know, the area, the area was really nice. 
Um, I like the liquor stores. They sell beer pretty cheap. 30 packs of Nickel Ultra, something you don't see very often. 30 packs of Truly. So, um, it was a, it was a cool area. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I actually got a text or a Snapchat from Brett Dale this morning that they were going to reconfigure it. And I joked around with him just, I'm going to leave it alone. I, I liked the place the way it was. Yeah. It, um, it's definitely grown over the past few years. They've done a lot of improvements to it. Um, and yeah, to hear the news at the driver's meeting that they were going to reconfigure it was, I can kind of see how that's going to come into play, but I think there's definitely some people like yourself that, no, don't change it. We're good with the way it is for now. Yeah, it would be a tough place to go to every week. I can tell you that much. I mean, um, hard on motors, uh, it's a fast, fast place. And, and the way that the world is now that, the motor bills are so expensive that, you know, racetracks have to do everything they can to make it so that um, racing is feasible and, and you're not blowing motors up. I mean, I at Georgetown this weekend, I seen Matt Spangle blew a big block and a, a small block up. I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, it's going it, to put somebody out of racing if, if you know, it's, a, it's the right person. It's, it makes it tough on tough on car owners, tough on builders. So um, I think Brett's making the right call. Maybe, maybe they can have some more racing there. Uh, weekly or, or you know more often than they do now so um so like i said he's, i think he's making the right call yeah yeah i think so too and um you know being able to accommodate you know guys with open small blocks or even specs and allow them guys to compete as well i think will definitely help the car count situation as well you know i think that kind of played a part into what we saw last weekend still a good count but not, you know, the 60 we saw at Port Royal a few weeks ago either. So, no, I think it's going to be interesting. And like you said, it is very, very fast, which to a point can become a little dangerous at times, too. Yeah, you know, thankfully, um, HJ and Billy were OK with their with their uh, incident happening on the front straightaway. But, yeah, it's a, it's a fast place. I mean, stuff like that happens fast. Uh, you know, there's there's not really... Uh, time to react as fast as you're going into turn one. It's uh, a fast place. So, you know, the, the shorter solar racetracks kind of make uh, make it a little safer, too, for the drivers. Yeah. Now, you were on the track during that, what I called the loaded qualifier, which was the third one in, in which the incident unfortunately happened. When you're sitting there in the car on the backstretch under a red condition like that, what's going through your mind? Are you just trying to keep yourself calm and just waiting for everything to get back going, or are you thinking about other things, trying to figure figure stuff out while you're just sitting there? Uh, obviously, you know, first and foremost, you, you hope that everybody involved is okay. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know what happened. Um, you know, there's there's the infield billboards that you can't really see across the across the front straightaway. I know Stu was Stu was leading, and he kind of turned the car to face the infield, and I did the same thing. Um, but I kept trying to look and see who it was and whether they were out of the car walking around or whether they were okay. That's, that's the first thing you think of. Um, but the, the second thing, sorry, I'm driving down the road, the GPS is telling me there's a hazard. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the second thing is, uh, you know, you, you, you want to figure out where you're going to line up on the restart. Um, I know I was fourth on the, the restart and, and Waddy was on the inside of me. Um, I was hoping that he, he got through the wreck so that I could line up fourth again because the outside was really the place to be on them restarts. I didn't want to line up third. Um, with it being a, a redraw, you know, four redrew, um, 
I knew I was in a safe place if I started on the outside because that would move me up to third and it was only seven laps to go at that point. So that's just a little stuff you think about. And obviously, you know, the next thing is the tires and um, keeping heat in the motor, keeping keeping the tires warm when you get back to green, um, you know, where the track's going to be get, getting moisture back into it, where the track's going to be losing moisture, um, just stuff like that. Okay. Okay. And, you know, you did bring up the redraw. So, of course, redraw really worked in your favor, which, if I'm not mistaken, you're not exactly the biggest uh, fan of redraws. Your luck isn't usually on your side. Um, you know, what do you think? You drew outside pole to start this 40-lap feature. And like you and I had talked, it's only 40 laps. It's not one of your longer distance ones. You know, what are you starting to think of once you realize you're starting on the front row? Yeah, the redraw was huge. Um, you know, Ryan Barrett drew outside pole for me. Thankfully, I gave up the... I gave up the, the privileges to draw a number after uh, I drew so bad all year. I don't think we've drawn uh, the front row at many big races um, this year at all. So um, I give Ryan a uh, I give Ryan a tip of the hat because he uh, he drew us the ham outside hammer and that was um, the place to be. I mean, them, them hundred lap races we go to, it's not too critical uh, where you draw. You know, if you get if you you got a hundred lap race and um, you're at a place that you can pass at, like um, Rantonville or, or Maribel or, you know, sometimes Canadagua, um, it's not too critical whether you draw 12 or not. It's, it's not really, um, going to ruin your day or, or, you know, make or break you. But, uh, Georgetown being, you know, 40 laps, it was pretty critical to start up towards the front. Yeah. And, you know, I, I try and think of situations like that where, you know, you guys from up North and, and especially the super dirt schedule where you guys are running longer distance races on a pretty frequent basis. And even Brett now has, uh, you know, 200 lapper or 100 lapper or whatever the case is. And it, you can relax a little bit and be a little more meticulous about getting your way up to the front. But, you know, you deal with it every Friday night, too, I presume, where your features are pretty short and it's go, 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 go all the time. So. I can imagine for twenty five grand and only running basically a regular Friday night feature type format, it had to be uh, definitely rewarding to start on the front row. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes up for all them draws where I drew twelve or eleven. So um, that's what you want. I mean, Ranchville's pretty similar. It's thirty laps, and they they do a deal where the, the winner from the week before has to start at the back of the redraw. And um, unfortunately, you know. If you start at the back of the redraw and the guy like Rudolph or Ryan Susi or Chad Brackman start up front, it's it's going to be tough to win in 30 laps. So um, Georgetown, we were kind of looked at it the same as that, like you said, and um, you know, luckily it worked out for us. Yeah, I noticed, you know, I'm always down at Grandview and watching Cressley and Von Dorn and Strunk and them guys always are coming through the field pretty quickly, pretty easily, I would say. Um one track I've noticed by looking at results every week that has a lot of trouble with that is Can-Am. I've noticed you'll see Billy Dunn or Fuller or uh, sometimes Maresca, they're doing really well. And then the next week, it's like they can't get through the field. So, yeah, depending on where you start, however the, the system works, wherever it is you're running, it's definitely critical. Um, even on a weekly show or or a big paying race, you're definitely right. Yeah, and... and you know, the cars nowadays don't really, uh, you know, advance the, the, the way that we pass. I mean, it, you need places like Grandview or, um, you know, even Maribel. Maribel's pretty racy. You could come from 12th with a good car to Maribel in 12 laps. Um, but, you know, you go to places like 
you know, like you said, Can-Am or you know, Weed Sports, notorious for, for having no passing. Um, it, the place just, if you draw 12 in a 100 lap race at Weed Sport, you're probably not going to get to the front. So, um, it's, uh, tough. You know, they're having a 12 car redraw is, is, um, you know, probably something that, you know, can play into the point championship by the end of the year. If a guy like Matt Shepard draws a front row everywhere, um, a guy like Matt Shepard draws the front row everywhere he goes, and you know we draw twelve. It 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 hurts us towards the end of the race. Yeah, it's almost. Uh, and Hearn was notorious for that for some time too. <laughs> and yeah. guys always hated it. <laughs> well, that was that was the Glenn Donnelly days, and I can probably assure you that <laughs> some of that was probably fixed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think too, I think that's why people have it in their mind when they see. You know, in a draw type format like Brett does, where, oh, Shepard's starting up front or yourself or Stu, oh, it's fixed. That I think I think that's where they get this idea that there's always something finicky going on in the background, which, hey, if it is, it is. If it's not, it's not. But it's now, I think, because of what happened back in the day, I think that's why everyone has it in the back of their head. Like, everything has to be fixed now. There's there is just no luck involved anymore, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you could say things are fixed because a guy, you know, like Stu or Matt draws the front row quite often, but all of it's magnified because uh, every time they do, people complain. So um, when we draw the front row, nobody really complains. It's like um, one of them things. But, I mean, as much as I draw, as much as I draw 12, I would think it was fixed the other way. But obviously, it's not. So um, <laughs> you look at it like, there's, there's no way one single guy can draw 12 that many times. God damn it, we do. So, <laughs> um, it's tough. Well, I think in Brett's series, there's a reward for drawing the worst spot in the redraw. If that was sponsored by Barrett, I would probably think it's a fix in some way. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a BA custom headers, uh, 12th place redraw thing. So, I gotta thank, uh, Joe BA for that. I think we've got him a few times this year. Um, on the dirt circuit, I'm not sure what it is, but we get a free tire. So, uh, you know, we're never, la- we're never lacking uh, tire certificates in the Buzz Shoe car. That's for sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, I did want to talk about the big races the past few weeks and couple of months. You've had a fast hot rod um, starting very well in the time trial events that we've seen. Orange County, of course, most recently being the one where you were the pole guy. Um, you know, Orange County has been very good to you the past couple of years. Is there strategy to just becoming very good at Orange County other than just being fast? Um, you know, it's, I don't know. Um we went there at the beginning of the year with that same car that we time traveled on the pole and used to stay with. And, um, we had ran Lernerville the night before and it was double features the following night at Orange County. We won Lernerville and I uh, went to Orange County with some confidence and, uh, went out in the first feature. I think we ran seventh or sixth or something like that. So, uh, we made the right adjustments. Um, Jeff spot Coco all filed that thing in. And, um, obviously my own guys, Ray, and, uh, you know, all my, all my own guys, Anthony, Daryl, uh, Eve, little Johnny, uh, we, we had, we had worked pretty hard. We had a good group of people and, uh, we got it dialed in to win the next one. So, um, we knew we had the confidence in that car running, going to Eastern States. And, 
Um, there was no faster because we didn't really plan on running that car. We planned on running Jeff's car, but moved a, moved a big block up at Port Royal. And, um, you know, went out and just ran good, ran, ran the same kind of setup that we ran when we were there earlier in the year. Um, and I really don't know what it is with them events like Oswego and Eastern States where you have to do individual time trials. I just seem to time trial that much better than I do when it's like a group format, like, uh, the Super Dirt Series usually goes to. I mean, if, if we were to time at Orange County during the Super Dirt Series race, I'd be lucky to fast time in my group. But we go there for Eastern States and I can put fast time overall or second fastest time and I win the full shuffle. So, um, it, it's weird. I don't know why the big events we, we run better. I really don't, uh, I don't know why the little events we, we seem to struggle at. I, I can't pinpoint it. I wish I could because we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't struggle at all. That's for sure. Yeah, it is. Um, it's very unique. I mean, we don't, we don't typically see formats like that other than those two events, um, up here in the Northeast and with modify racing in general, it's a lot of draw, a lot of group time trial stuff and it is different. It really is. And, um, you know, who knows what it really comes down to. I mean, could you imagine if you ran a series all year where that was the format? Hell, you'd be really good at qualifying. Yeah, I wish we did. That would be, uh, make my life a little bit easier, that's for sure. So, speaking of Orange County, I cannot go in this episode without bringing up the Centennial Race. Um, what an amazing accomplishment. A hundred grand to win a modified race is unheard of. Who knows when the next time is we'll see that again. But, you know, that night was very uh, interesting, to say the least. There was a lot going on. Of course, everyone remembers the uh, the big incident with the rain and having to wait that out for another hour, whatever it was, till they got the track back. You know, when that rain did hit, what did you guys do as a team to put yourself in better position for when the restart happened? Um, yeah, it was just confusion. I mean, really, uh, there was cars that had been in the wreck that, you know, were trying to fight to stay where they were before the wreck, which would have been kind of crazy because then they could make adjustments. And then there was cars like us that were sitting on pit road. Uh, we knew we were going to have to pack the racetrack in, uh, cause obviously that was wet. Um, that didn't have enough fuel to go to the end, which the guys that were going behind the wall could put fuel in. So it was, uh, it was chaos. I mean, um, fortunately they got it sorted out, but I think there was a lot of arguing. Um, you know, there was, there was, uh, people, fans arguing, there was drivers arguing, car owners arguing, um, like you said, mass confusion, but, um, I think Orange County made the right call in the end. They, they made sure that everybody, um, uh, we made sure that everybody was under the same kind of advantage or disadvantage. Like we, we weren't at a big disadvantage because we didn't get in a wreck compared to the cars that were in the wreck. So, um, you know, fortunately we went back to green. The racetrack was, uh, incredible. Probably the best that, you know, Orange County's ever been. Um, and, and I don't know why they can't simulate that. I mean, that was that rain when it rains at, East, at Orange County, it's like, a, it's a different kind of water that, uh, it makes the place just so racy. So, um, yeah, that, that centennial weekend, uh, definitely played out for our favor. Yeah. And you know, the rain, I remember, I think it was the small block race at Eastern States last year, had a brief rain delay two years ago. And it was like, holy shit, this track is amazing after the, after the rain delay. Um, you know, that, that centennial race, you're, 
that track in general before or after the rain was something I'd never seen before there or have seen since. It was so weird how guys were blowing the fence down and guys are running the very bottom and in the middle and everywhere in between. And it was like, what is this place? I don't think this was here before. Like it was so strange, but I think it put on the best possible show for the reward at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember, um, you know, Decker was really good during the centennial. And I remember some of them restarts, like I'd line up next to Billy running over the, over the racetrack where, uh, like, you know, everybody under yellow rolls through the middle. I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, where everybody would roll through, it would bring the moisture back up. Um, and I remember going right through the middle on multiple restarts and, and, you know, it was like I was picking the left front up. So, uh, something you can't do at, you can't do at Middletown, you know, very often is roll through the middle. And, uh, you know, that, that night was, uh, pretty cool in the way that the racetrack race. And whose idea was it to put the throwback paint scheme on? Uh, that was something that Jeff wanted to do for Harry. Uh, obviously Harry had won Easter States and, um, has a huge history at Eastern at uh, Middletown, so uh, Jeff wanted to do that for Harry. They actually got a fire suit all right. Um, we had to send it back to get it so that it was fit. They overnight, and it was just a really cool story uh, that ended up being even cooler because we we obviously won. And um, that you know, those are the stories you look back at when you when you put a retro paint scheme together. Not often do you get to go out and celebrating victory lane with it and at a big race like that. So, um, pretty cool. Um, you know, cool that, uh, they did that for Harry, obviously, uh, but it meant a lot to him. I remember taking pictures with, with Harry before the race and he had a smile ear to ear. So that was pretty cool to see too. Yeah, that, that is very, very cool. Um, switching lanes here a little bit. I recall listening to, I believe it was the open red podcast. They had you on, which uh, they don't normally have modified guys on. So I was very intrigued to listen to that. And they brought up you racing sprint cars. Tell me a little bit more about this uh, open wheel thing you got going on. Uh, Yeah, I I hadn't done anything this year, I don't think. Um, But yeah, last year I got to race uh, with Glenn Stiers. We did two races together just kind of because my schedule worked and schedule worked for it. Um, Kevin could get the car. Kevin Lovitz could get the car together. He was helping going out at the time. And, um, just all came together. Um, we started, or we just the redrawn, so we would have started uh, 13th and got to 10th. And then Maribel was the exact same thing. Started 13th, got to 10th. So um, both races, one thing is very consistent with my racing career is I draw horribly. Uh, both <laughs> races, I started tail in the heat race. Hummerstone, um, you couldn't really pass as good as you could have. Uh, and same with Maribel, it was, I think we started, you know, eighth or ninth in the heat race or seventh or eighth or somewhere around there and finished it. So, um, you know, for my first time in a sprint car, I enjoyed it. I had a great time. I'm thankful that Glenn gave me the opportunity and Kevin gave me the opportunity at the time. And, um, you know, unfortunately we, we didn't probably run as good as we'd like to because a lot of modified guys would get sprint cars to win, but, um, you know, my, my drawing skills, uh, didn't let me down there. And, uh, we had to, we had to fight the draw, you know, in them things too. Now, is that something that you would entertain in the future, or is that kind of a, nah, I did it, I'm good? Uh, you know, I I would obviously love doing it. I'd love to race late model. I'd love to race a sprint car. I'd love to race some asphalt stuff. But um, at the end of the day, I've raced 91 times this year. So, 
Um, we got three more races in Charlotte. That's going to be 94 races. I think that's more than I've ever done in my career. Um, but that doesn't leave you many free weekends. And, and when you have a free weekend, you kind of want to um, get caught up on working on your own race car, wash your stuff, wash your truck, wash your trailer. Um, so the, the timing thing is, is, is tough. And, and, you know, too, at the end of the day, the modified stuff is what pays the bills. So um, I could probably go and get a sprint car ride and, you know, go play around and not make any money. And, um, you know, that's just not what, not probably what I should do smart way. Right. So it'd have to be the right scenario, you know, very few times, if that, and go from there. You're right, too. I think some of these guys I watch bounce around, and I'm not saying the ones that are, you know, the helmet bag guys that just show up and their cars are already good to go. But I have seen some guys bounce around, and when they go venture in something else, it seems like their primary program starts to lack a little bit. So in your regard, and you're right, modified, that's what pays the bills. So I think you're correct in the thought of making sure your primary stuff is as good as the way to go. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you, you've got to give, um, you've got to give the guys that you race for a hundred percent too. Right. So, um, you know, Buzz and Paul went, and, um, Jeff and Harry, I mean, those guys, you know, didn't hire me to race the race cars to be a part-time sprint car guy. So, um, they want me to focus on the modified stuff and, you know, all too often we're, we're using the Saturday night races that we do at Maryville or Friday at Ransomville. We're using them as test sessions. So if we have to miss something like that to go sprint car racing, it's not going to help us um, achieve the ultimate goal and what, what these car owners are, are, are you know, investing in you to do. So um, that's, you know, where you got to be smart too. Yeah. And the, the one interesting thing that Jeff had told me the other week when I had him on was that it's pretty much the same crew that works on all your cars, which I thought was fascinating um, you know, I know guys will bring their, you know, their brother-in-law or their dad or whatever with, but some guys have completely different guys working on their stuff. When you guys are setting up your schedule in the off season, do your car owners get together as well all at once to try and figure out what cars were running where and when? No, we, you know, we probably ironed that out the first year I started racing for everybody is, um, you know, like, like, Bot and Buzz, they get to race, you know, uh, Victoria 200 or the Outlaw 200 per se. Um, they get those races, and, they, and they've got a small block for that. But we don't, we don't race that small block at all. So um, they get to race that small block once a year there, and uh, they get us. We go. They get all the all the big Hoosier races. Jeff gets all the big American racer races. And, um, you know, the went Coco team. They get. Uh, you know, what this year was dirt week, all the dirt week races, and then Easter State small walk race. I'm not sure what we'll do next year, but um, I also have my own car. I mean, Wayne Con uh, and my father, they, they own uh, our own small block team, and, and we race that quite a bit. I mean, this year we raced uh, our big block up in Quebec for two races. Um, we went to Cornwall with it. Uh, we raced at Oshkwegan with it. We raced at Humberstone with it. So we raced that at all pretty much the big Canadian races. We raced... Um, Oswego this year for the small block race with our SMW six. Uh, Wayne was pretty excited about that race. Um, we put a lot of effort into it and, and we put a lot of effort into trying to run good. So I was disappointed with the way we finished in that small block race. And, um, we're not sure what we're going to do next year for, for that, whether um, we run our stuff at, at the smaller tracks and run the, the Coco car at the, the Oswego race because, you know, his motor seems to run better on them longer straightaway. Um, not so shut down like Burton races and, and my motor is more built for Burton and Weedsport. So 
we're not sure what we're going to do next year for that, but uh, I'm sure we'll get it all sorted out and uh, try to keep everybody happy when we do it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, to have that all sorted out pretty much the first year that you're running these multiple rides is probably a relief in your off season. You don't have to go through the same spiel every year and work through, well, here's the schedules that are out and then, you know, do your like a draft party for Pete's sake and trying to figure all this stuff out. So that works. If you ever have a situation where someone's rod goes down, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you blew the motor in Jeff's car that you wanted to run in Eastern States. And luckily you had another ride to fall back on. Does that happen where you're switching things up because you think something might work better somewhere else than what you originally thought? Um, not so often. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of weird that we run buzz and small block at, at Fulton for the 200, but the thing is like unbeatable there. So, um, you know, if you, if you were to try to overthink it, you'd probably be smart to bring, you know, whatever small block we've won most races with and try and compete with that. But then, you know, you bring buzz's car that's like got a torsion rack in it and, um, I think it's a 2018 car and the thing just like runs really good at Fulton and, um, spot does a great job keeping everything the same from year to year. So, um, you know, sometimes you think things are smart and you're making the smart decisions, but, uh, you know, that doesn't always work out like that, you know, as good as the cars can be at different racetracks. So, um, you know, the, the running the, the six car at Eastern States, I, I had spot was there at Port Royal when we moved Jeff's big walk up and, um, he knew we weren't going to be able to run Jeff's car and, he knew how much of a, a race Eastern States is, is a Hoosier race, a big money Hoosier race, which um, technically would fall under running like the 88 car because uh, the 88 car is a big Hoosier race race car. But um, when I first started driving for them, um, Jeff always wanted to do uh, all the races in Orange County, um, Eastern States, and the Centennial was the first year we, we had raced for Buzz um, and the dirt races at, at, at Orange County. So, um, Jeff always gets the Orange County races. And like I said, I'm, I'm very thankful that everybody works together on it. Um, you know, somebody, somebody could probably get their panties in or not and, and get upset about not racing one race or not racing this race or that race. And, um, you know, our team, it never happens like that. We're all, we all work it out and, um, we get through it all together. So, but yeah, when Jeff, when Jeff blew that motor up at Port Royal, I asked Buzz if he wanted or asked Spot if he was willing to bring his car down because my stuff's not really set up to do, them long distance pit stop races and we had just run to go down at Oswego with Buzz Chew car and um you know Spot didn't seem to be uh like it was smart. He you know he was trying to get ready for Charlotte and we're trying to go down here and finish the year off strong points wise. So um it was a smart decision. But yeah we we all worked through it together. I mean at the end of the day uh that's just what I'm trying to get at is um everybody works really well together and everybody's um you know very team team players. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that there's definitely guys out there who have lost rides or left rides because they couldn't get along with the other car owners or the other teams or whatever the case is. I'm sure that's happened. I'm sure it happens every year. Oh, yeah. I've heard I've heard stories, you know, about people and I'm not going to say names, but people uh, that had multiple rides back in the day that would just get greedy and you know, they get paid 40% with one card, 30% with another, and there's a big race coming up, and they tell the guy that paid him 30% that he was going to have to leave his car at home to, to race the 40% car, which um, my dad's done done pretty good at, you know, keeping me in check. And sometimes, you know, you're not, uh, you're not, not very, I don't know how to say this, but you're not, you're not better off, you know, being greedy and trying to keep, you know, 100 bucks extra for yourself when, when everybody's doing all the stuff for you. So, um, 
yeah, at the end of the day, I'm very thankful for all my car owners. That's for sure. You know how good uh, how good everybody works together. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, before we start to wind this thing down, I did want to touch on. I know you had a lot of trouble getting across that border, especially during COVID and the following months, or hell, even years. It probably still isn't easy. But have you ever thought about relocating to the states? Um, you know, I, I just got engaged this summer. Um, you know, her family lives up north. My family lives around our area where she's living now. And actually, you know, locational wise, we're not too bad off. We're, we're just, you know, Canadian side of Buffalo. I'm like an hour and 45 minutes from Wheatsport, uh, hour and 15 minutes from Canadagua, um, you know, 45 minutes to Ransomville. I'm, I'm pretty centrally located for all the races we do between, um, June, July, August, you know, and, and the beginning of the year, obviously when we got to go to the Valley or Grandview or places like that, that we're, uh, we're, we're going to be, um, we're going to be having to, having to travel a little bit, but, um, I like where I'm at. Uh, the border was really only an issue when we were at, um, when we were at COVID, when we were at the pandemic and, uh, you know, things seemed to be, seemed to be going where people didn't think they were going, you know, like, COVID was happening. There's a lot of things going on, but um, fortunately for me, I uh, I paid taxes every year since I started racing professionally, and um, you know that the border got shut down, and I looked at all the criteria for for what they were saying that we needed to do to cross, and you know how you needed to cross, and um, basically you had to you had to show that you were crossing for your only income, when you're your only source of income, you know that would make you a cross border worker. So um, I just had to show that I paid taxes and. Uh, after that, it went smoothly. So um, hopefully we won't see another pandemic and we won't have to deal with that again. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I don't know whether I'm going to move anytime soon, but you know, who knows what the future holds. Nice. And it's nice to hear that a dirt car driver was able to claim to the country that he was a worker for dirt racing. I love it. That's that's fucking great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, man, as we wind this thing down, uh, I have our green, white checkered segment, three random questions, and then we button this thing up and we're good to go. You ready? Yeah. Hit me. It's time for green, white checkered on the four wide salute. All right. Green flag question is coming to five to go at any racetrack of your choosing who from the past would you want to duke it out with for the win? Um, probably Brett Hearn because he's, you know, he's got 900 feature wins. He's, you know, the goat at this point, but, uh, you know, him or Danny, um, Danny would probably do everything he could to, to win the race. Um, and Brett would probably play it smart. So probably either one of them. Nice. One guy's going to go balls out and one's going to play head games with you. That's probably right. Exactly. All right. Exactly. White flag question. What goes into your mental preparation for the biggest races of the year? Um, you know, not too much, really. Uh, yeah, I, I try just as hard to win a race at, at Ransomville or Maryville on a Saturday or Friday night than I do at Oswego. I mean, it's, it's not like we, we try hard at one and not the other. Um, obviously like car wise, uh, we, we work a little harder on, on Oswego than we do most other races. Um, we work a little harder at Eastern States than we do at other races. Um, but yeah, for the most part, we just, uh, 
we try to win every race we enter and um that's about it good and your checkered flag question as halloween has now passed as of today when did you find it acceptable to put up christmas decorations uh, never <laughs> December, December 26th I like taking them down um, but no my fiance Natalie she, she's into decorating the porch putting pumpkins out um, she likes doing all that stuff and I'm sure when I get back after, uh, after Charlotte she'll be bugging me to put Christmas lights up so um, I'll go in and just keep her happy and uh, she's into that sort of stuff me I could care less whether you put Christmas lights up uh, Halloween lights I'd I like keeping my grass clean. I like keeping my garden clean. I like I like balling leaves, and that's about it. <laughs> Look, you're not even married yet, and you're already living the happy wife, happy life. I love it. <laughs> that's right. Well, so I'm sure you are at least all but at the racetrack now down in Charlotte. You getting ready for uh, Fan Fest tomorrow. Then you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think you guys are ready to uh, knock off a win and uh, rack up as many points as possible the last three nights? Yeah, I mean, we just, uh, I'm actually sitting here looking at the haulers pull in past the Z-Max dragway. Uh, we're going to go get our wristbands and then probably head to the bar for a beer. But uh, pretty excited about this week. I think we got a good motor down here. Um, the kids worked really hard on the big block program over the year. And, um, pretty excited to get down here and hopefully time trial good and heat race good and uh, be there at the end on Saturday for the big money. Nice, nice. Well, we'll be watching here from the house and cheering you on. And stay away from Dean Reynolds after hours. I hear he's been lingering around Twin Peaks all week, so I'm sure he's up to no good. Yeah, the beer's more expensive there, so we won't be there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> we go, we go where there's two dollar. We go there where there's two dollar canned beer. That's for sure. <laughs> nice, nice. Hey, that's the way you save your money. You spend it wisely. That's right. That's right. All right, bud. I do appreciate you coming on the show and uh, best of luck. And I'll definitely see you next year at some point. No problem at all. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on.